So New Year's resolution is another big thing that everybody's talking about. You know, we kind of tried not to. or we, Well, we did after Christmas. Like, you know, when it gets to be New Year, I'm going to, what's the number one? What's the number one resolution? Huh? Lose weight. That's exactly right. But, you know, hey, it's still winter. We could have a famine. I want to be ready for it, right? Skinny people go first, right? That's right. They won't last because um, you never know. But there's a lot of things like that that we, we, we do for resolution. So I announced this morning already, I'm just going to go ahead and announce it, that uh, my resolution is to preach only short, simple sermons. <laughs> what? That's my resolution. Was, of course, the other thing about resolutions is like 95% of them don't make it through day one. Okay? See? So that's the other thing there. So don't get your hopes up. Um, so here we are on this first uh, Sunday of what we have as a new year. And it is, it is a good time to reboot. I did a whole series in years past on, you know, like reboot. Uh, that was the name of it. I don't, don't know if it stuck very well or not. But kind of a start over. Um, to, you know. So let's focus on that. Let, let's do as much as we can with that. Whatever it is we're wanting to be overcome, whatever it is we're wanting to do better. Or, you know, it's not just things we want to start doing, things we want to stop doing. So a lot of my uh, thoughts on this is things that I need to quit doing, saying, or thinking during the new year. There, there's, there's a good place to start. Um, and um, it's time to analyze. I want to analyze. I don't want to just rush on to a new year. I want to stop. I want to hit the pause button. I want to analyze. I want to, think, I want to thank God. It had such a great blessing. And um, I'm just going to throw this in there real quick. We'll talk uh, more about prayer requests later. But so good to see John here today. You're an answer to prayer sitting right there. Amen. Amen. You are. Bless your heart. Just been waiting for that. Um, and appreciate everybody praying for our family. Uh, we got to bring mom home Friday. She's doing better, and it's just a real miraculous blessing. Just keep praying uh, there. But um, but everything's it, been so everything's been so busy that is a need to just stop and analyze and thank God for all. The first thing I want to do is thank God for all of His blessings, the way He has provided. Because I don't deserve all of the just the stuff I have, and having plenty of food to eat and clothes to wear, and 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 we have you know, air conditioning and heat and all of that, you know, was thanking God for the basics and thanking God for all the miracles and the blessings and, uh, and then the difficulties. And how about this, the failures? Well, I need to take stock. I need to analyze. I need to learn. I need to grow because some of the stupid stuff that I did last year, I really don't want to do it again, right? And some of the tough lessons, that's why sometimes life is so tough, is because God's trying to teach us, and, and, and part of it is natural consequences. Some of it may be chastisement from the Lord, but we have to keep going through it over and over because we don't learn. God help us, amen? So, so I want that. So I hope you're finding this passage while I'm getting there. Uh, we're getting there, I'm telling you. We are really getting close now to reading it. But uh, I pray a lot of times in the new year, will the trendy thing to do now, especially with churches and pastors is a word for the new year, right? I've done that. I don't know if any of you remember over the past few years some of the words of the new year we've, I've thrown out there. Anybody? Huh? Yeah, okay. New year in 20. See, I did that. I said I'm not going to do that this year. I've got some. New year in 22. Yeah. And then some of the other like one word things. Focus, yeah, that was a 2020, right, focus. A lot of people said vision, 2020. I said, how about focus? 
2020 turned out a lot different than we thought it would. Amen. Had to keep our focus on the Lord. And, huh? What was that? Submission. Submission. That, that, that was a big one, and I, I probably need to revisit that one. In, in a few years past, would be like, uh, wait a minute, I just lost it. <laughs> um, it was, okay, um, engage. So we want to engage people with the gospel, right? What, anything else? Engage and, okay, are we good? Okay, I'll think of, um, yeah, expecting. Are we expecting God to do anything? So a lot of times we'll throw these words out there, and then we forget them, just like the New Year's resolutions. They don't get past day one, you know? Uh, Expectancy, that was one. Are we expect? do we come, do we expect God to do something amazing in our lives? Are we making room for that? Are we preparing? Like, or do we just not expect anything to happen? Just, Just same old, same old. I don't want same old, same old. How about you? Okay, so I've got a word. I got one. I wrestled with this for a while. And you appreciate the way I said that. I said I wrestled with it. And not in my native tongue and said wrestled with it. Okay? I've been straightened out so many times on that one. I made a resolution to just say wrestle for all of this. People in Missouri instead of wrestling. Um, I still will watch wrestling on TV once in a while. But I had wrestled with this for a good while until I sensed the Holy Spirit impressing upon me, stop it. Stop it has been a reoccurring thing that I need to hear, evidently, throughout my life. Now, I don't mean the Lord spoke in an audible voice, because I notice a lot of times people say, well, now the Lord told me. A lot of times what it ends up being is something that they were wanting to do anyway, and I'm like, what did the Lord's voice sound like? Probably sounded like yours. Anyway, uh, so I'm not saying that. I'm saying he impressed me on the inside uh, to stop it. What? Stop wrestling with it. Just, Just listen. Boy, there's something that's been a theme of my life, too. All my childhood, I told you that, you know, I was in high school before I found out my middle name was Earl, uh, Melvin Earl, and not Melvin Hush, right? I've told you that, and, um, but you know, uh, there were many times I would be going on to something, and, and uh, my parents would say, hey, stop it, stop it. I spent time with my parents, and we, like I said, we got to bring mom home, and, and my brothers, and I just thank God for the great relationship I have with my brothers, my family, and everything, but... Yeah, while we were there, I was there long enough, Dad got on to me. Would you just stop it? I was carrying on about something. So he's like, I'm do like when you were a kid. Would you stop it? Um, so the Holy Spirit tells me, by the way, just I know you're thinking it is true. I hear that a lot from Clarissa as well. Just stop it. Uh, that covers a lot of area. But anyway, moving on. Um, so instead of wrestling with this, would you just listen and be available and, and it just came out. Here's a word that God wants me to focus on. And, and since he's called me and, and placed me here to be a pastor, a shepherd, and a fellow servant here, he, he wants me to share it with you. Okay, so here is. We have reset the clock, so to speak, for a year. But the only reason we can is because God is the author of time. He's giving us this time. And so the word is stewardship. Stewardship. Managing 
the time and the life and the eternal life God has given us because that means steward is a manager, okay? So please understand that. So basically, it's his. Everything I have is his. All my time comes from him. All of my talents and abilities are because he gave them to me. All the treasures that I have, even those that I worked for, he gave me the strength and the ability and the opportunity to work for them. All of my treasures, his. Uh, and, and so how am I managing all of the time, talents, and treasures that God has placed me. Now, I need to manage mine, not yours. Because God may have given you, instead of, instead of coveting your treasures or coveting your talents, I need to begin to recognize mine and manage those. Because if you're minding somebody else's business, you ain't minding your own. Right? Uh, and then... There is something else that God has provided for us that I need to be a good steward of. And it's already kind of been a theme today, sola scriptura. The word alone, faith alone, through Christ alone, based on scriptures alone, the truth of God. God has given us his truth. Am I being a good steward of that? Because we're going to be accountable for the truth that he's given us, his word. His word is truth, and we have it. And I want to be a good steward of that. So I want you to think about that. And so here's the question. How well am I responding to the Savior and the spiritual life that he has given me? How am I responding? How am I stewarding? How am I managing that? Am I responding to him? And that brings us to the scripture that I wanted to read. Because in these verses, we left off there about the great announcement that the angels made to the shepherds. When Christ was born, they were the first visitors. They're lowly, blue-collar people who are living out there with the sheep. So many scholars think this might have been during a time of lambing when they were actually out there living with them. And we know sheep don't smell so good. So these guys were dirty, and they probably stunk. And they were rough. And they had this experience that was incredible. We read about it two weeks ago where the angels, they're just doing their job, right? I like that part of it. They are doing their job that they're supposed to be doing. They're probably temple shepherds. Many scholars feel like in this area we know that sheep were raised for temple sacrifice in the temple because they had to be without spot or blemished. And, uh, and, and, and at some point, the high priest and many of them started ripping people off because if your, your, your lamb that you brought for sacrifice in those days had to be inspected, and if it didn't pass inspection, well, you'll have to get one that's already been approved that will sell you, right? And that's one of the things Jesus is overturning the money changers and the sellers of stuff. That's one thing. He's like, this is not right. But, um, but it's, it's significant that it could have been those very lambs that were born, many of them, to be sacrificed, that the Lamb of God, his arrival was announced to those shepherds who were keeping them. That, 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 that's cool. Not sure if that's exactly what happened, but it sounds good, right? Doesn't it? Um, but they got this news, and we read about it, as I said, where the angels appeared, and then all of a sudden, you know, they told them that you're going to find something strange, that this, this one who is the Messiah... So it tells me something else about these shepherds. These guys were, even though we're reading this in the New Testament, they were Old Testament saints is what they were because that's all that they had, right? And they followed that. And they had faith because God's plan always was not that we live by law or by works, but by faith, right? Habakkuk reinforces that uh, in the Old Testament. But yet they 
had faith in God's word, and they believed the promise of the coming deliverer, Messiah, King, Savior. They believed in that. Or otherwise, when the angels announced this, they'd have been saying like, what you talking about? They knew. They knew the scriptures. Are you following me on this? And I think this is exciting. They knew all about it. So the angel announced that something will be strange because this one is born, but not like you would expect. You know, I've got good news. word for good news, another word is what? Gospel. That's what the word gospel actually literally means. Good news. For you, it says, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. So we talked about that, remember, two weeks ago. He's Savior. He's the Deliverer. He's the Lamb of God come to deliver us from our sins. He's also Christ. That means Messiah. He's the Messiah Prince. And he's also Lord, the Lord of all. He's all of those things. And that was all a mouthful, wasn't it? And, and, and so what happens next? So we've come through Christmas. We've celebrated this. So what do we do about it? I think that's the perfect way to start the new year. So listen, what did they do once they got the news? I'm going to read it now. So, and here's what we're going to see. We're going to see an example and challenge for the new year. So real quick, um, that's how it helps me get through the sermon quicker, is if you listen really fast. Okay? Are you, are you doing it? Okay, good. So here we go. In verse 15, it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Think about it. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Remember that was the sign? This is how you'll know because normally people don't put their babies in troughs, feeding troughs. So this was not just the warm, cozy little thing that we try to depict. It was an unusual thing. And there was no other baby laying in a trough except this baby. That's how they knew. And just like the angels had said, the word from God had said. And verse 17 says, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, Savior Christ the Lord. Right? That's what he'd been told. And all who heard it wondered, or they marveled at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned means went back to where they were working, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen, had heard and seen as it had been. Because everything they heard and everything they saw was just as it had been told them. Isn't that awesome? And so this, we see both heaven and earth responding to the birth of the Savior, the Deliverer, who is also the Messiah and Lord. We see the reaction of both. And um, this encourages us so much and with the birth of Christ that it exhorts us, all right? It challenges us in our lives, in our attitudes, my attitude, my priorities, my values, my pursuits, and my actions as they pertain to this main thing that happened here. And everything else that we do with our stewardship of everything else God places flows out of this priority, and that is worship. That was the first thing first, worship was going on here. It ought to challenge us as to then flowing from that my behavior toward spiritual things as well as material things and my whole reason and purpose for living. So you might be saying to yourself, I, I know what I know, I know you guys, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, if I'd been out 
working and had seen actual angels and a whole host of them, which means like the whole angel army, if I saw that and if I actually heard what angels singing and praising God sounds like and if I heard them talk to me, yeah, uh, if I'd had all that happen, my life would be different too, right? So you can't really compare. Oh, no, no, let's put that to bed right now. Can we do that? Well, can we do that? Because um, the Bible, the text makes it clear it wasn't an experience with angels that they were excited about. That's not what did it. That's not. It was the news. It was God revealing truth to them, and they held it in faith as from God. And secondly, we know that that's not the whole motivation. It's just seeing and experiencing some mystical, incredible, sensational uh, experience like that is not what does the job. It's believing the word that God has given us. That's what does it. Because Scripture itself teaches it's not miraculous experiences that change people. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God. That's how God changes people. The power of God is in the gospel, the Word of God. In fact, Jesus even said in this story he told about a guy that had died who had lived his life his own way, rejecting God. And so the thing about it is if you want to reject God and you don't want to, God to live in you and you don't want to live for him, uh, if you don't want God, uh, what judgment does is God kind of grants your request uh, forever. And there was this guy, and Jesus described it in Luke 16 as being in torment, and he looked up and he saw Abraham over there in paradise, and he saw this poor beggar that had been, you know, eating crumbs off his table. But now, now he was in tormented, and the beggar was there in paradise and comforted. And he, he said this. You remember, he didn't say, this is unfair. He didn't say, give me a second chance. What is his only request? His only request was, hey, you know, all my brothers, basically we understand, knew who this beggar was. Would you send him back? I've got five brothers that they don't make the mistake I made in their life and their priorities. And you remember what was told to him in the story Jesus told? They have Moses and the prophets. At that time, that was the entire scriptures. That's all that had been written. He said they've got that. If they won't hear that, they won't listen even if someone came back from the dead. What? I would think somebody coming back from the dead would be pretty persuasive. What's Jesus telling us? You've got the truth of God and the Spirit of God who authored it working. If you won't listen to that, even if somebody came back from the dead, you won't listen. So it wasn't the angels. It wasn't that experience. God uses his experience. God uses different things to guide us to his word and to open our heart to him, his presence, his spirit. Yes, he will use those things, but it's not based on those experiences. It's based on his truth, the word of God. So the response of the shepherds was a result of truth being proclaimed to them and them believing it. And that provides a good analogy that, that we need to hear the word on a regular basis and I need to hear the word, I need to understand the word, I need to apply the word, and I need to respond to it on a daily basis. I need that, just like I need regular food, right? Just like you need to eat something today. Uh, and, 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 you know, which probably is going to be what? Black-eyed peas, turnip greens, and hog jaw, right? Come on, Have, makes, be sensible, everybody. So anyway, look at the response real quick. We're going to look at heaven's response here. Uh, we see the angels. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. The announcement was made. The whole host, the whole 
vast amount of the angel army responded. Um, so if you've even understood even a tiny bit of the implications of who this baby is, if you understand anything about the great I am, Jehovah God, you can't help but be overwhelmed. The angels were overwhelmed by what was happening. It was, as you might say, blowing their minds as well. And your life, if you understand who he is, and if you understand what he's done for you, if you can really get a grip on that, you can't help but respond in praise and thanksgiving for what God has done that we didn't deserve and couldn't earn for ourselves. And we know that angels have always been curious about these things. In fact, Peter tells us about the prophets and how they wrote about the coming Messiah and how God has made all this known. He says in, in 1 Peter, what is it, 1, 12, that angels desire to look into these things. I mean, as they're seeing God's plan of salvation carried out over time, they are in awe and they're worshiping God even more because they're seeing, as he says in Ephesians, the manifold or the variegated, the many-sided wisdom of God. God being revealed through the church, through God's plan of salvation, the way he saves us and the way he changes us and the way he does his work in us and through us. I mean, angels, uh, I mean, God is glorious, but God actually is being glorified even more because of this whole plan of salvation that you and I are involved in. And the angels are curious about that, Peter said. They recognized God as the origin of this gift. And they announced it to them. And they revealed, uh, as we saw, they revealed the key part of this, uh, of the outcome of it. So here's what it is. Here's who you're going to find. And then, verse 14, they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. So glory to God. Amen. Number one, worship. Glory to God. And then, peace on earth. So what about the outcome of this happening? Peace on earth. So this was it. It was a proclamation of peace. A peace of that. Uh, it doesn't mean like you just feel like everything's okay. You're at peace. It's a deeper word than that. And it, and it means about total reconciliation. And so he talks about how that it brought all kinds of peace to us. As you go through the scriptures, you'll find out how that because of Christ, we can have peace with God. We were separated from God. Really, the Bible describes us at enmity or enemies of God because of our sin. Our sin contaminated us, separated us from a perfect God. And now we can have peace made with God because of Christ. We have reconciliation with God. Now, from being an enemy to being in harmony with him, him living in us, we have the peace of God. That means I have peace with God, but I have fellowship. I have provision. I have peace of God in me in the midst of any storm or any trouble that may come and probably will come this year because planet earth has been cursed by sin. I live among sin-cursed people in a sin-cursed planet in a sin-cursed universe, and I've got a sin-cursed flesh that I have to deal with every day. I'm telling you, life is rough and life gets nasty and messy. If your life is just all, man, squeaky clean and you've got everything just snapping together and happening exactly like you want, I want to hang around you for a while. See, what, see what's going on. Because all of us have got, and, if we, and, 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 and you know, what the old preacher said, it says that we've all been through the storm. Either you've been through the storm or you're in a storm or you're about to go through a storm. It's all Part of this messy life. I'm glad to see people being willing to just open up and apply scripture because it's kind of hard.
to overcome struggles when we're not willing to acknowledge that we have them, right? And so that was my thing whenever we go back a few years to the COVID deal and wearing masks and what do we want to do this or do that. And the truth is, a lot of people had been, metaphorically speaking, wearing masks to church for years because we just kind of come and try to act like that person. We're supposed to be in all snooty and everything, and, and we never would get real. If they, Listen, I want to tell you something. Yeah. Um, if there ought to be any place where we could come together, really, and be real and raw and vulnerable, it ought to be here. Instead of everybody, you know, and it's good to be respectful and, and, and all that, Sunday best and stuff like that, right? But it ain't about that. It's about you and your heart. Um, and so I asked before I left this morning, I just feel the Lord leading me to wear jeans and boots today. And I, I made the statement, I said, 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have done that. Is the Holy Spirit leading you? And if it is, does he sound a lot like yourself? <laughs> but the question was like, you're wearing that today? Yep. I'm wearing that today. I said, it's 2023. Get with it. Come on. This is the way we do it. Sorry. I'm getting done with it. Stop it, right? <laughs> so, anyway, uh, but what is, is it's in our heart of, of peace with God, the peace of God, and peace with one another. That we now have the ability to realize we all got our stuff and that we're going to have to do what Jesus said and learn as we want him to forgive us that we need to forgive each other because we're going to have to use that. Yeah. I'm going to have, there's going to be things y'all are going to do that are going to irritate me, going to disappoint me, going to hurt me, frustrate me. I could keep going. And there might be a thing or two that I do that will disappoint you anger you, frustrate you, all of that. So we're going to need to use this pretty much every day, aren't we, of loving each other. But now we have supernatural teaching and help to help us have peace with one another and to love one another. And you don't just love when you feel like it. You don't just love those who loved you. In fact, Jesus said he wants to help us be able to love our enemies. You know it? And we need to understand who the real enemy is. So we have all of this, and then one day... One day, we read about it going through Revelation. If you read through the Bible, one day there is coming this day that there is going to be universal peace on earth. And it's all going to be because of Christ and about this promise that was made in the Old Testament and this gift that was given and was laid in a manger and this one who went to the cross and rose from the grave and ascended back into heaven and who is coming back soon. There will, I can't wait to experience it. And, and that's something that I've got to look forward to, amen? And that you have looked, so we got, we got things are looking up as we go on. Like, well, what are things coming to? I can tell you what they're coming to. They're coming to an end. And then a forever. And I want to be ready for that. It reveals also the recipients of this piece. And, and I like the way the ESV translates this because it's a little tricky, it seems like to me. It says, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Uh, those he has a good will uh, or is pleased toward those. Um, and uh, the emphasis there is that God is well pleased with whom? Peace upon whom? Well, those who know his son by faith 
and walk in fellowship with him. We know that as we read scriptures because it is his son and the son alone who satisfies and pleases him. And our only way to do that is to be connected to Christ, to be in Christ. So then that's heaven's response. And really quick, let's look at earth's response to this. As soon as this angelic Bible class was over, the hearers faced responsibility. They've heard this incredible news. What are they going to do? Hallelujah. I can't wait to tell my friends that I saw an angel. No, that's not what they did. They acted on it. They went. They had to act on this. Are they going to just, is, is this what we do a lot of times? We hear these great truths from God, and then we're like, oh, that's awesome. But we never act on it. If you don't act on it, you're going to miss it. They had to act upon what they, they didn't know much, did they? And I don't know much. But if I act on what I know, oh my, what God will do with that. So they didn't know much, but they acted on it. The news and the information they received was the center of their conversation. And it says that they, it says, went away. And when the angels went away, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. It's not, let's go tell everybody we saw an angel. Let's go see what has happened. Because we believe what they said, that the one that we've been expecting is here. So that's what they did. And they spoke excitedly. Well, I think you receive truth like this, you ought to be excited. I don't think, and you're, you may show excitement differently than I do. But we ought to be excited about this if we're excited about anything. This good news that we can speak about. So that's what they did. And they spoke encouragement. Or you could say exhortation. So they knew a little bit about Jesus, but they wanted more. And that's what I find out is true. What little bit I find out about him and I act on it, I want to know more. I want to have more. I want to know him more and experience more of him. Amen? Can't get enough. Um, They spoke encouragement. Or the old word that I like to use is exhortation. They exhort. These are, this is a hortatory phrase here, which is a, means to encourage, to motivate, right? They were motivating each other when they said, let us go and see this thing. Let's do this. This can be tied to a lot of the one another passages in the Bible. And it highlights our responsibility that we have to one another in the body of Christ as they we're encouraging each other. Let's all go do this. It doesn't say that one would, that they were all saying it. They were all encouraging themselves in this. And so this, this phrase, I love it, let us. Now, grammatically, as I said, it's called a hortatory clause, and it calls others to join us in some action or responsibility. And it gives a good example of how we're to continually be encouraging and exhorting one another as we get to know Jesus, right? And I want to do a series sometime this year, and I'm going to call it Bible Salad. Of all of the lettuce, lettuce verses that are in the Bible, because there's some 30-something times that that phrase is translated in English, let us, so we have a healthy lettuce, a salad. I think that would be, I think it would be good for us, okay? We'll come back to that. Let's put a pin there. We'll come back to it, okay? They also acted, um, they also acted, uh, perp, uh, oh, I, I messed up there, sorry. I got, I get so excited, man, I just start punching buttons, and this is what happens, um, um, I'm, I'm coming to it because you're going you're gonna to love this when we get there. Okay, oh, here we are. Purposefully. 
purposefully. They acted purposefully. See, we were created to know and to love God. That was their purpose, nothing else but to go and see the fulfillment of what God had promised. This was God's purpose for them, and they wanted to be right in the middle of it. But they also, I notice, acted immediately. They didn't waste time. It says that they made haste. That means they went with haste. They hurried up, and they went and found Mary and Joseph and the sign that was given the baby line in a feeding trough. And, and so a lot of times, the amount of gap of time between when I understand what God is telling me and then what I should do because I know it, the gap of time between that and when I actually act on it and obey is sometimes way too great. I've wasted. But they set a good example because they made haste. And uh, so the question to ask as we're going to this new year, um, so a lot of times we have good intentions, but we lack determination, purpose, commitment. We get sidetracked. Oh, boy, do we ever. What is God leading you to do right now? And you know it. You know it from his word, and you know it because he's confirmed it in your heart. He's, he's been speaking in your heart. What are you waiting for? Do it. They acted also insightfully because it says that when they'd seen him, they made it widely known. Now, this is a grammatical principle of cause and effect. When they had seen represents what they call, in, in, in this Greek grammar, a temporal participle. I'm just telling you this because one thing leads to another. Of the main verb, which is made widely known. So depending on the context, a lot of times, here's what happens. Making him known wasn't just the next sequence in the events. It was a product of what had already happened. It was a product of what they had seen, that they made him known. It says, when they saw it, verse 17, they made known the saying. So when they saw, it caused them to make known to everyone. We had this, not just this experience, but we heard this word from the angels. We went and found what God had said was true, and he is here. They made it known. So what I, what I have experienced and what I know the cause should cause an effect in my life and my behavior and the, with me sharing this. And so my, my product of obedience and my product of making Christ known is a result of my having come to know him and believe him. It flows out from me. Um, these were actions that, that, that followed and it showed that they were men who acted out of insight. They knew Jesus and so that's the biggest thing we can do. We can give all kinds of advice about a lot of things people could or should do, but do they know Jesus? It has to flow from that. They acted then evangelistically. That word means to share good news, to tell others good news. And that's exactly what it says that they did. They made known the saying. And, and, and then uh, those who heard it reacted with wonder and amazement. It says that everybody that heard wondered what the shepherds told him. It was just like, whoa. That's what that word, marvel, be amazed. They were like, whoa, what is this? Wow. Um, so, uh, see, they could back up everything that they said with Old Testament Scripture. Could they not? Being fulfilled, where he was going to be born, all of this stuff. So they could back up what the angels told them was Scripture because God's never going to contradict himself. So what's our response to truth as we hear it? Are we like some who, we just want to be entertained, I just want you to make me feel good, I just want this to be fun and enjoyable, sensational, or whatever, whatever excites me? Or are we like those who 
love God and we love his word and we find simple but profound satisfaction in worship and in study of the basic truths of scripture because they're like hidden treasures that we just keep uncovering. Then there's Mary. It says Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. She cherished them, <coughs> the, um, or, 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 or kept them, treasured them. It means The Greek word means to keep, to guard, to treasure, to keep safe. To, she preserved it. She held it in her own mind and heart and memory because of its value. She stored every tidbit, every morsel of the story. It tells us not just because it was her son, but because it was about the Messiah and about the promise the angel made her. That, this illustrates our need to treasure. We need to treasure everything the Lord says, and we've got a whole book full of it right here. We need to memorize Scripture and treasure it, amen, in our heart. But then not only did she treasure it and, and memorize it in her heart, but she also pondered, she reflected upon it. The word ponder is in the present continuous, it, 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 in the tense in the Greek means present continuous action that's happening now and on into the future. So pondering the things of Christ should be the things I've learned. I keep meditating on them. I keep thinking of them. And the, the actual Greek word means to cast together. That's translated there. It means to cast together the thoughts into the mind, to put them all together, to, to uh, chew on them again, right? Amen to reflect, to meditate, meditating on the things of God. That's what she was doing. She didn't understand it all. And even when he's hanging on the cross, she didn't understand it all. But she had all of this. And one day it all became clear, did it not? And then the shepherds acted faithfully. It says then, I like the way this ends, by the way. They returned. They didn't return like they left. I mean, they didn't return quite the same as they had been before they left. They were glorifying and praising God because everything the angels said they found was true. It was just like, but they went back to work. So they have this incredible thing. They have this information about Messiah. And they go back to work. I mean, some of us would be like, well, now I'm just going to tour the country and try to sell books about my experience with the angel, right? That's not what they did. I mean, the main thing that they had to do was, was to get back to doing their job. You be you, and you're working in your job, but <laughs> you're doing it differently now. You're glorifying, and you're praising God, and they're continuing to make known. So here's the thing. God wants us to be faithful where we are and where we're called and how he leads us. Amen? That's what he wants us to do. All right, let's wrap it up. So I told you it's going to be short. New Year's resolutions, you just can't count on that, can you? Uh, what about us? Can people see a difference in our lives because of our experience with Jesus? They sure could, these shepherds. Are we preparing our hearts for the word so there can be a proper response when we do study and when we do go into God's word together? Are we excited about our Lord and what he's done through Christ, what he wants to do in us? Has it become just old hat to you? Something's wrong if it has. Something's wrong. I'm going to tell you straight up. Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. If this is old hat, if it's boring, if you're just punching the clock and putting in your time, something's wrong with you. And you need to just bow and say, Lord, help me. He'll show you where to start if you're sincere. Because this is exciting. I promise you. So you're, just, you're missing something. The enemy's distracting with something. He's using something to get in the way. You've got to deal with it. Um, so, do we talk with one another about him? Is the majority of our conversation about other stuff? Are we goal-oriented? Do we understand what God's goal for our life is? What's the big goal? And, 
And if you understand God's goal, does it show in our priorities? My priorities for this year of what's going to get the most of me. What's going to get the most of me this year? I don't want to just be in a whirlwind. I have obligations just like you're doing. You are part of my obligation. But, but, but where's Christ? I, I can control that. If it means getting up earlier or staying up later, am I going to have that time with him that I have to have to know him? Let's pray. Dear Lord.